in the in our reading responsive series, we often discuss chuvos that are relevant to the time of the year, but Yom Tovim, biblical Yom Tovim, later Yom Tovim, modern Yom Tovim, Yom Latzmot, and so on. We also often discuss chuvos that are relevant to the Gentile holidays around Christmas and New Year's and Thanksgiving. We often discuss chuvos that are relevant to those holidays. So tonight we will discuss in, I won't say honor exactly, but in anticipation of the upcoming holiday on December 25th, we will discuss a tshuva of Rav Azriel Hildesheimer about the founder of Christianity. Rav Azriel Hildesheimer was a, one of the Gedole Hadar, one of the Gedole Hadar of Germany about a century, a century and a half ago, one of the leading Tamil and uh, Germany at the time, as, as, all, as all the great Gedolim of Germany, he was interesting, he had, uh, he had academic knowledge, as well as Torah knowledge, but he was traditional, he was a, uh, he was a distinguished, outstanding Talmud Chacham in the, in the traditional sense. And the question that we're going to discuss tonight, he was asked by another German Rav, and the question was about the permissibility of speaking the name, uttering the name, of the founder of Christianity. We refer to him as Yeshu, often in Jewish literature, the notary, the man from, the man from Nazareth. But his actual name, his first name, his last name, the, the name that starts with J, the name that starts with C, are you allowed to say, is a Jew allowed to utter his name? The, the question and answer, the, the question is as long as, or even longer than the the, 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 the question is fairly long as well. The, this Rav did his own independent analysis of the question. Rav Hildesheimer endorses some of his conclusions, disputes some of his conclusions. The, the situation itself is interesting. So we'll, we'll read both the, the question of this other Rav to... This, this was a Rabbi Deutsch, or Shimon Tzvi Deutsch, the Rav of a place called, place called Bergfrapach. Not sure what that is. Tshuva was written in Parshas Miketz around this time of the year, Tafresh Memvav. I guess it was shortly before the Christian holiday as well back then, around the time of the Christian holiday as well. Tafresh Memvav, which would be, which would be, uh, eight, which would be 1885, which would, which would be eight, eight, 1885, after, after the New Year's it would have been 1886, but this is before the New Year, presumably, so it would have been 1885. And this was the question posed to Rav Hildesheimer. This Rav wrote, Kibalu l'beis midrashenu malamit chadash. Our beis midrash, not sure what beis midrash he's referring to, what kind of school this was, but some type of school, some type of Jewish school. We have a new teacher. <coughs> and this rabbi said he heard that the new teacher frequently utters the name of Osohaish, frequently utters the name of the founder of Christianity. So he confronted him. The rabbi asked the teacher, why do you do that? Why, why do you say his name? He says, he seems to have assumed that the occasion for saying his name was when he referred to years, and he, and he said uh, A.D. and B.C., and he actually spelled it out, and he said, uh, somehow he spelled out uh, the name of Yeshua himself, not sure. But he says, he, when, when you teach history, you can just say far or nach. Far means before, nach means, uh, means after in German. So he says, you don't, you don't need to spell out his name and say before Yeshu, after Yeshu. You can just say far or nach without getting involved in, uh, that with, without actually mentioning his name. So why are you mentioning his name? So the teacher said, 
he accepts, he too tries to avoid uttering his name. He says occasionally, occasionally he utters his name. Not generally, not routinely, but once in a while he mentions his name. Why? When they study literature, when they're reading a story in a Sefer Kriya, in a reader, in some kind of uh, book of literature called a Luzbuch, a Luzbuch, something book, I'm not sure what that is, but when we encounter his name in a, in a work of literature, so I read it, he says, Lo Ratzeladalgo, he didn't want to just skip the name. Why? Because he had two Gentile students in his class. Again, I'm not sure what kind of school this was, it doesn't sound like it was a yeshiva exactly, it was some kind of school that was apparently controlled or run by Jews, but it also had some non-Jews in the class, had some Christians in the class apparently, and, and there, there were some Christians among their number, and he was afraid that it would be insulting, that, they would, that this would antagonize them if he, uh, if he made a show, if he, if, if he deliberately skipped the, the name when he got to it, this would offend or antagonize the non-Jewish, the Christian German students. So the rabbi told him, you're right, you did the right thing, that what you did is correct, it, uh, although certainly it's better to avoid saying his name. In this case, you did the right thing in, in uttering it, and you should do so in the future as well, that if incidentally you ever encounter his name uh, in the course of your teaching, you should read it, because it's, it's paramount to avoid Chil Hashem Shemayim. We don't want to make a Chil Hashem. If the, if the German students would say the Jews are disrespectful to us, that would be a Chil Hashem. It's interesting. You would think that just not wanting to be a Christian is not a Chil Hashem, but apparently if the Christians feel you're insulting you're, uh, you're, you're making an, unwant, an unwarranted uh, insult to their religion, to the founder of their religion. That would be offensive. And therefore, he says, since the idea of not uttering Yeshu's name is only what he calls a midas chasidus, a minah chasidus, it's not strictly required alpidin. Therefore, he says, uh, it's good, in, in terms of your priorities, it's good to forego midas chasidus to avoid creating a chil Hashem. However, he... I'm sorry? Yes, we're going to discuss that soon. Right now I'm just reading the tshuva as it's written, but we're going to get into the, the source in the Talmud, the source in the Bible, for the prohibition against uttering his name. Yes. So, he, the rabbi, this Rabbi Deutsch, he, tells, he told the teacher, but you're right, you did the right thing. However, my advice to you is, my recommendation is, use foresight, exercise foresight. Try to anticipate what you teach so you shouldn't have to be in such a situation where you're going to find yourself compelled to, 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 to either skip his name and insult the students or have to forego this minhag and say his name. And try to make sure that this comes up as infrequently as possible. That's what this Rabbi Deutsch said. Then he says another rabbi disagreed. Another rabbi said, no, this is not some kind of midas chasidus that can be set aside for uh, public relations. This is a, a, a din gomer that you're not allowed to say his name. And it's absolutely austere, and therefore you shouldn't be giving dispensations for, uh, for, for cases of uh, making the Gentile students feel uncomfortable. Therefore, Rabbi Deutsch said, since someone challenged his assumption, he's turning to Kvod, Hadras, Gaon, Morenu. I guess he was a Talmud of Hildesheim, or considered him a, a, uh, an authority on Halacha. Tim Shagisi, if I've made a mistake, he says humbly, Hu Yareni, please tell me if I've gone wrong. And uh, I'm just going to explain to you, I'm going to give you my analysis, I'm going to present you with what I think, and you tell me what you agree with, what you don't agree with, am I right or am I wrong, that uttering the name of Yeshu is not strictly us or me credit.
So he begins right away with the source in the Talmud for the, for the prohibition of mentioning the names of Avodah Zarah. So the Talmud is not talking about Yeshu here. The Talmud says in Sanhedrin, I have this in source 2 in the handout, the Talmud says it brings a Pasuk, in, in, it brings a Pasuk, the Torah says, V'shem Elohim acherim lo saskiru, you should not mention the names of other gods. What does that mean? So the Talmud says, Brisa says, a person should not tell his friend, I'll meet you at this Avodah Zarah. Use it as a landmark, as a, as, a, as a coordinate for meeting. You shouldn't use Avodah Zarah in that, kind of, uh, in that kind of social intercourse. You shouldn't mention Avodah Zarah. Lo yishamal picha. That means you shouldn't make vows in the name of Avodah Zarah, and so on, and, and so forth. But the first part of the Brisa says, you're not even allowed to use it in an informal, casual, practical way. You can't even mention, I'll meet you near the Avodah Zarah. You're not even allowed to do that. The Gemara goes on. The Gemara, said, the Gemara makes it clear this is not limited to using it as a landmark. The Gemara says that the Gemara says that we have uh, we, we, we have other places where, where where apparently we see that it is permitted to say the name of an Avodah Zarah. It says that it says that uh, Ula Ula once traveled somewhere and he and he uh, he lodged in a place called Kalnavo. Rava asked him, where did you lodge? And he said, Kalnavo. So he says, how can you say Kalnavo? Kalnavo is, uh, that place is the name of Avodah Zarah. I guess they had a city named after the Avodah Zarah. They had a region or neighborhood named after the Avodah Zarah. So how are you allowed to say that? So the answer was, any Avodah Zarah that's written in the Torah, you're allowed to say. Where does it say, uh, where does it say Kalnavo in the Torah, that there's no Kalnavo in the Bible? It's based on a pasuk in Yeshaya. It says Kara Bel Keres Nevo. That uh, that that pasuk mentioning Bel mentioning uh, is, is 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 a form of Kalnavo, and therefore Kalnavo is mentioned at least in some form in the Navi. And then the then the then the then the, then the, the Gemara goes on, and really any of a which is not mentioned in Psukim, you're not allowed to say. But uh, but the the Gemara elsewhere mentions uh, describing the, how long a time it takes to walk from one place to another for a certain halacha. It says the time it takes to walk from a place called from Gadion to Shiloh. Shiloh, we know, is a city in Israel, but Gadion is the name of Avodah Zarah. So how could he use the name Gadion? So again, Gadion also is mentioned in the Navi. Again, in Yeshaya, it says, Ha'archim Lagad Shulchan, those who set up tables for the Avodah Zarah of Gads, you let us say Gadion because Gad is mentioned in the Navi. So the Gemara seems pretty clear. You are not allowed to mention the names of Avodah even in just casual conversation. You know, the, this is where I stayed. This is where I went from. The distance between this and that. You're not allowed to use Avodah You're not allowed to mention Avodah in conversation unless this particular Avodah is mentioned in the Bible. So Molech, Baal Pa'ar, Baal, Ashtaros, Asherah, these types of things you're allowed to say. But Avodah which are not mentioned in Tanakh, the Gemara says, you are not allowed to say. Okay, so that's the initial source of this prohibition, that you are not allowed to mention the name of Navodah Zarah, even, even if you have a need to do so, even if you're using Navodah Zarah in some constructive way to describe uh, a place or to, or to get to measure a distance, even if you have some constructive purpose, and Kolshkein, Shalolot Zarah, Kolshkein, for no purpose, to just mention Navodah Zarah, you're not allowed to do that. And yes, the Gemara says it's an exception for Navodah Zarah, Ksuva Batarah, any of Zarah that is mentioned in the Torah and Tanakh, you're allowed to mention. But Lok Suvalo, and Avodah Zarah that's not mentioned, you're not allowed to say. So now, this Rabbi Deutsch, she proceeds to ask various questions. 
from various statements in Chazal and later Svarim, where we see that they did mention names of Avodah Zarah that are not mentioned in Tanakh. One example, there's a, there's a Mishnah in Avodah Zarah. Rabbi Gamliel was, was patronizing a merchat, it's a bathhouse, which had a statue of Aphrodite. The Avodah Zarah Aphrodite there. So he was challenged on this, said how are you allowed to patronize this bathhouse. So he said, Anilo basi begvula, hiba begvuli, ein omrim nasa merchats la Aphrodite, noi. So we're not going to get into the halacha of why or why not he was allowed to use this bathhouse, but the point is, when he was explaining his heter, he mentioned Aphrodite. He said explicitly that, uh, that this merchats, which is made, uh, which is connected to Aphrodite, I'm allowed, to, I'm allowed to use it anyway because it's, it's not included in the prohibition against using the bathhouse dedicated to this idol. He mentioned the name. Aphrodite is certainly not mentioned in Tanakh. So how is, how is he allowed to say it? One question. The, these little letters in the handout, if, for those who have it, Aleph, Beis, Gimel, these are, these are anchors to the points to which Rav Hildesheimer himself is going to respond. He's going to respond based on these letters. His letters will correspond to the letters in, the, in Rabbi Deutsch's analysis. Another example, he says, in Avodah Zarah, it says there are certain halachas that pertain to the holidays of Avodah Zarah. You're not allowed to do business with them or on the holiday, around the holiday. So the Gemara says, what are examples of holidays of the Avodah Zarah? The Eloi Dei and Avodah Zarah. Here are some holidays. Kalenda, Saturnura, sounds like something to do with Saturn, Saturnilia. So these are Avodah Zarah. They're not mentioned in the Pasuk. And yet the Mishnah names two Avodah Zarah, Kalenda and uh, Saturnura. Okay, so we have these questions. How do we understand why Rabbi Gamliel can mention Aphrodite and the Mishnah can mention Kalenda and Saturnura? So that's the, this is the, these are the first points raised by Rabbi Deutsch. Yes? Also Xmas. Well, we're talking about Xmas, yeah. And Christmas. Yes. That's not in the Mishnah, but yes. The, 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 I talked to Simcha before about this. The, the, the upcoming holiday mentions the name of their Avodah It's his holiday. So are you allowed to say that? That word, that holiday. So then... Then the Rabbi Deutsch brings a Hagos Maimonius, a passage in the medieval work Hagos Maimonius, who in turn is mentioning the Sefer Yireim of Rabbi Eliezer of Metz. Rabbi Eliezer of Metz grapples with some of these questions as well, and I, I have this in the handout also toward the end. Kosev Re'im. The Re'im writes as follows. This prohibition of mentioning the names of Odazaras ain't ain't The prohibition only applies to names that imply mastery, godliness, uh, that, that names, that, names that mean that this thing is, is a god. Not just ordinary given names, but names that have a connotation of worship, of, of idolatry, and so on. Avol Shem Hedyotos, ordinary names, Shemos Baalma, Kishmos Hagayim, if an Avodazar is named Edward or James, if an Avodazar is just named Bill, if that's your Avodazar, even if they worship him and they, they, everyone bows down to Thomas and Bill, it doesn't matter. That's not a name of an Avodazara. I mean, it is a name of an Avodazara, but it doesn't matter because it's not a name that means Avodazara. And as long as the name itself has no theological connotation, even if it is the name of a particular Avodazara, there is no Isser. Why? It's based on the Pasuk. The Pasuk says, V'shem Elohim Acherim lo says Kiru, V'shem Elohus Hikpidak Kasuf. Shem Elohim Acherim, a shame which denotes Elohus, a shame which has a connotation of Worship of, uh, of, of, of idolatry, that name you're not allowed to mention. Yes? What if his name is Elohim? What if his name is Elohim? Yes, yeah, so a name Elohim clearly has a connotation of godliness. So if they name it Avodazar Elohim, then, then, then you can't use that. But a name, an ordinary given name that people use, is not included in this prohibition. 
he also mentions the, the, the question, he, he brings us proof, this question from the Mishnah of Eluhene Dehen. The Mishnah lists examples of holidays of the pagans, Kalenda, Sadarnuria, Kartasim, Kratzim. These are ordinary names. These were not names, he says, that, are, that mean master or god or anything. Therefore, you are allowed to use them. Furthermore, he says, In many places in the Talmud, Yeshu's name is mentioned, and his, uh, his disciples, his, uh, his acolytes. You want to know a real Avodazari, he says, uh, there's, there's nothing more idolatrous than Yeshu, and the Talmud has no qualms about mentioning his name. Therefore, you see that to mention his given name, a, a name that doesn't mean God, is fine. The only names that are Asr are names that mean God, or something like Master or God, but an ordinary given name is not Asr. He mentions that the Talmud mentions Yeshu frequently, the Talmud did mention Yeshu frequently. In most of our standard, in the traditional standard Vilna text of the Talmud, you will not see Yeshu mentioned because it was all taken out by the censors, for the censors. Today they've begun reinserting those passages. They used to have the Chesronus Hashas, a collection of all these Gemaras that were omitted or balderized for the censors. But today they're putting them back in, and there are apparently many Gemaras. Sometimes we can't always reconstruct them, they've been censored so badly, but there are many cases where we can track down manuscript evidence, other evidence of what the Talmud used to look like before we ran into censorship. And indeed, the Talmud does mention Yeshu a number of times in the, in the Talmud. Yeshu, some of his students, it's not always clear if it's the same Yeshu or a different Yeshu, but the Gemara does clearly mention different types of heretics and evildoers named Yeshu, and some of them apparently, he understood these do refer to Yeshu, the founder of Christianity. And therefore he says the same question, how can we mention how can we mention Kalenda and Sadarnuria? How can we mention Yeshu? The answer is, because you're allowed to use given names, you're just not allowed to use names that mean God or Master. So that would mean that his first name, the one that starts with J, would be fine. That, that was just a given name. That's fine. It's a second name that might be more of a problem, as we'll discuss presently. The returning to Rabbi Deutsch around the, the Gimel in parentheses, he says, that which that goes as Shri says, that many places in Shas mention Oso Ha'ish, his, his given name, he gives, he rattles off a bunch of examples, Sanhedrin, Memgimel, Samovzayin, Kofei, Kofzayin, Avodazarach, Avzayin, Yerushalmi, Tosefton, Chulin, and in Rishonim as well, Rabbeinu Yeruchim, Sefer Marukzia, Shar Sifrin Shal Tzadikim. So certainly his given name is mentioned frequently in rabbinic literature. Even, he says, even the term Mashiach, that's the translation of Christ. Mashiach means anointed one, that Christ is a Greek word that means uh, the anointed so even the shame Mashiach and Hanidbakinbo Bashem Mashichim, Christians as we say, we find that also in rabbinic literature occasionally. Pachad Yitzchak, he says the Sefer Pachad Yitzchak, the Italian or Yitzchak Lamprantis from three centuries ago. That's his Greek name, Shemanitin Lobalashin Yavan. Christos, Christos means means the means the, the Messiah. The Redeemer, the Messiah. So he says that uh, that, if anything, that's worse, because, uh, be- because the name Yeshu, that's his given name, or the name Jesus, that's his given name. But Christ, that means the Redeemer, that, that, that has much more of a theological significance. If anything, that's worse. The, the Uraim was telling us that his given name is not a problem. Calling him Redeemer, what about that? Are you, are you, allowed, to, are you allowed to say that? So, I should just mention, he, he's quoting a, a half dozen or a dozen examples of where they refer to him by his his names, either his first name or his last name, J or C. In most of rabbinic literature, he's not called that. In most of rabbinic literature, he's called Hanotsri. He's called the Nazarene, the man from Nazareth. 
but occasionally they refer to him by, by, his, uh, by these names. So why is that okay, he says? So Rabbi Deutsch says, Venerally Lomar, the Gambazua Shame, Loro, Botsad, Adnus Velahus. These names also, they're not considered theological names, even though they refer to Hamshacha, to being anointed, to being chosen, Gedula, to greatness, he says. That's fine. But, but the name Mashiach does not really have a theological connotation. For example, in Yeshaya, the Persian king Karash is referred to as Mashiach Hashem. It's obviously not any kind of theological name. It just means the, the one chosen, the one anointed, the one who God has designated for great things. But it doesn't mean any kind of theological, uh, any kind of real theological connotation. The Navi himself refers to himself as, uh, as Mashiach. Yeshaya says, Ruach Hashem Elohim Alai, Yan Mashiach Hashem Osi, Hashem has anointed me. Being anointed doesn't mean that, 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 you're, that you're a god, that, 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 you're, that you're some kind of deity. Being anointed just means you're special, you're designated, you're marked for, for some special, uh, for some special uh, fate. But it doesn't mean, it doesn't mean anything else. It, uh, it, it means, the, he says, it, uh, and, he, and he, even when they apply it to Yeshua, he says, it, it, it doesn't, that in, in and of itself doesn't mean that he's a god. They might revere him as a god, but the name, the name Mashiach, he says, just means that he's distinguished, that he's important. They called him a Navi, he says. They considered him a Navi. The Ishmaelim, he says. The Muslims, six centuries later, he says. They, they have their, their prophet, Muhammad, Muhammad, he says, that even the name Muhammad himself, Muhammad, Muhammad itself refers to, has a, a, a theological significance, he says. Those who know Arabic, I didn't have a chance to look it up to see what the etymology of Muhammad is, but apparently Muhammad himself, he says, has the connotation of, of greatness, of, uh, has religious meaning for them, he says. I never heard of anybody who was, uh, avoids the name Muhammad, he says. So because of these various arguments, Rabbi Deutsch wanted to argue that there is no Isser in saying the name Jesus Christ. Ne- neither one, not Jesus, you have not Christ. We have several reasons why it's Mutter. We find Chazal did it. We have the argument of the Uraim that, that, that as long as the name doesn't actually have theological meaning, you're allowed to say it. And therefore, he felt, we'll, we'll see more of his analysis embedded within Rav Hildesheimer's response, because of all these various reasons, he said, it's not Osir Mi'ikra Din to say his name. Now, it's not a great idea, he said. He agrees that it's a minag tov not to do it, but it's not strictly Osir Mi'ikra Din. Therefore, in a case where it'll cause Chil Hashem, it'll antagonize the non-Jewish students, there's basis for leniency. This is what this rabbi, Rabbi Shimon Tzvi Deitch, wrote to Rav Israel Hildesheimer. So now, Rav Hildesheimer responds. Tshuva, letter Aleph. Aleph is going back on the, on the question of Rabbi Gamliel mentioning Aphrodite. So he says, Adoni Mori, the Arach Lener, Rabbi Yaakov Etlinger, also an outstanding German postig from a generation or two earlier. He asks this question. He discusses this question. Personally, Rabbi Hildesheimer said, my answer is, Rabbi Gamliel didn't actually say Aphrodite. When Rebbe wrote the Mishnah, when Rebbe arranged the Mishnah, Rebbe explained Rabbi Gamliel by mentioning Aphrodite to explain Rabbi Gamliel's thought process. But he said, if you read carefully the Gemara, the way some of Farshim explained the, the Mishnah, the way some of Farshim explained the Mishnah, it's not a quote of Rabbi Gamliel. He didn't actually use the word Aphrodite. He says that, the, that, that when Rebbe arranged the Mishnah, that, that's how he arranged the Mishnah, but, he, uh, but Rabbi Gamliel himself did not actually say Aphrodite. Now, the problem obviously is good, but when Rebbe arranged that Mishnah, somebody said that Mishnah, the Mishnayas were, 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 were said and were taught and were learned. So that, that doesn't really answer the question. Even if Rebbe Gamliel didn't say it, but we say it. The students in the Beit Medrash say it. Those who learn Mishnah say it. So that he deals with in his next paragraph, paragraph Beis. 
Paragraph Beis, he deals with the question from the other Mishnah, the Mishnah of Kalenda and Sadarnura, that Mishnah mentions other Avodah So how can we do that? So he says, again, Rebbe didn't, didn't express the, utter these names verbally, he says. He wrote them down. He, that that, that, that Rebbe, Rebbe, Rebbe wrote them in the Mishnah. It's Machlokis, whether Rebbe wrote the Mishnah or simply compiled it, according to some, Rebbe's made a verbal compilation of the Mishnah. He seems to be assuming that Rebbe wrote the Mishnah. And, and, and it wasn't verbally said. So writing is no issue. You're allowed to write Jesus Christ. You can't say it, maybe, but you can write it. He says, now he, now he turns around and says, well, the Mishnah clearly was learned by Pan the Beis Midrash. That's obviously how they learn Mishnah. That's also not a kashi, he says. And now he introduces another heter. He says, besides this idea that writing is not usher, he says, it's not usher to learn a Mishnah that has an Avodah in it. Why? Because you have to know the halacha, he says. You have to know the details. You have to know what's usher, what's mutter, what you have to avoid, he says. And for limud, for the purpose of limud, for the purpose of Torah, bevadai mutter. And, he, and as a precedent for that, he brings the famous Gemara in Rosh Hashanah. The Gemara in Rosh Hashanah is not discussing, mentioning the name of Avodah Zarah. The Gemara in Rosh Hashanah is mentioning another prohibition, a, a cognate prohibition. You're not allowed to make a picture, an image of the stars, the sun, the moon. It's not strictly a question of Avodah Zarah. Even if you're not worshipping it, even if it's not going to be interpreted as worship, there's an Isser in making images of the celestial bodies. Lo sasun iti, Hashem says, you shall not make with me, which Chazal understand to mean, you shall not make images of my celestial servants, demus shamashai, shemesham Those entities in the sky that are, my, uh, that are my servants, don't make images of them. Maybe it's, uh, maybe it's a prophylactic against Avodah Zarah. There's also a question of Chashad. People will think you're doing Avodah Zarah. But the bottom line is, it's usher to make, it's usher to make images, even two-dimensional images, it's usher to make two-dimensional images of the sun, the moon, and the stars. So the Gemara asks, it says, Roman Gamliel, he was in charge of Kiddush HaChodesh, he was in charge of the witnesses who would come to testify that they saw the new moon for the purpose of fixing the calendar. So it says, in the, for purposes of examining witnesses, as we know, a picture is worth a thousand words. So instead of just trying to get verbal depictions of what they saw, he would have pictures of the moon and he would show them, did it look like this, did it look like this, the... A or B, which one? Yeah, I don't know how we asked him exactly, but he said uh, he would have visual aids to help, uh, to help the Adem articulate what they claim they saw. So the Gemara asked, how is he allowed to do that? You're not allowed to have pictures of the sun or the moon or the stars. So the Gemara said, for purposes of Torah, for constructive purposes, for religious purposes, it's mutter, even though this is an iser deraisa of, of making a picture of the sun, the moon, or the stars, but there's a heter of leslamit, and posts can often say, this family of Isurim, these, you can't do real Avodah Zarah for Islamate, but these, the, this family of Isurim, which are kind of related to Avodah Zarah, these types of Isurim, there's often a heter of Islamate. Therefore, Rav Hildesheimer says, Bevadai in Limud, you're allowed to mention Avodah Zarah, you can't mention it in informal and casual conversation, but for the purposes of Torah, for, for learning Torah, you're allowed to mention it. And that is the primary reason why I have been, I have occasionally used those words tonight, because I am doing so in the context of Limud. Or, ordinarily, I'd be less quick to actually, to actually say those words, but to, to say his name. But for the purpose of Limud, Rafael de Samer tells us, Bevadai, it is mutter. Now, in paragraph, so therefore the Mishnayas that said Aphrodite and Kalenda and Sarah and Sarah there's no question, he says, they, they, they were doing it for Limud, so it was mutter. Rabbi Galil himself, when he, when he was defending himself, 
That may not have been Limud, but maybe he never said it, and the Mishnayis that said it is not a question at all. First he says, because they wrote the Mishnayis, they didn't say the Mishnayis. Then he turns around and concedes they did say the Mishnayis verbally, but that's Mutter because it's Le-Islamic. Now, dealing with the fact that the Gemara has the name Yeshu many times, so in, 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 letter, in letter Gimel he says that it is true, the Gemara says Yeshu many times in the uncensored text of the Talmud. However, he says not Christ. It doesn't say Christ, it says Yeshu. We never find the term Mashiach or Christ in the Gemara, only Yeshu. Yeshu is a given name. Says Rav Hildesheimer, Be'emes me'olam tama tama karasi. I never really understood, he says, that there are some people who are willing to say Christ, but will not say Jesus. He says, it's just the opposite. That's backward, he says. You want to say something, Jesus is a given name. It doesn't mean anything theological. Christ, that, that, that means Mashiach. That, that has theological significance. So you absolutely cannot say Christ. It's worse than saying Jesus, he says. Then he says that Rabbi Deutsch himself makes this distinction, that Christ is worse than Jesus, he says. So, yeah, and, uh, and therefore the Gemara says Yeshu, but the Gemara does not actually say Christ. There was a hilarious story in the Wall Street Journal some years ago, a while back. They, were, they ran one of, their, one of their charming human interest stories. Then they run they run these quirky kind of you know offbeat human interest stories. So they once did a story on the the Estrog business and the Estrog farm out in uh, out in California. So they, so as uh, I, I mentioned an anecdote in the story that some Hamish fellow, some pious Jew, buys an Estrog and he opens the box and inside the box he sees Jesus written on the box. So he, 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 doesn't, he doesn't know what to do with himself. Like, why does it say Jesus on my esteric? Can I use this esteric? Like, what is this? Did someone, did someone you know, donate my esteric to Avodah It turned out what happened was that the, this is a farm in California, so they employ Hispanic laborers. And, and, and the laborers, uh, you know, they're proud of their work. They, they, they have good estrogen. They're proud of what they do. So one of the laborers, when he found a particularly nice esteric that he was proud of, he marked it with his name. The, the worker's name was Jesus. It was a Hispanic uh, agricultural worker named Jesus. And he wrote Jesus on the asterisk box. And this fellow found it. He thought it said Jesus after the founder of Christianity. But Jesus is a given name. It, uh, it, it, it's a name, presumably people who use it today are often doing so because the name has religious significance. Just like we use names like Yehuda and Yehudis and Yisrael. We use many names that have the, the Shem Hashem in it. And presumably the fact that in Christian countries the name Jesus is quite popular, even if a particular parent didn't have religious connotation, but obviously the name became a popular name because of uh, the connection to Christianity. But the point is, Yeshu was a name. It started out as a name. It was, it was an actual name. It, it, it never really had theological significance. But the, but, but the name Christ, that's much more serious because that means Mashiach. If you want to avoid something, you should avoid Christ. You should say Jesus, but not Christ. Okay. Then again, in Ozdalid, Rav Hildesheimer reiterates his previous point that, the, that, the, that, that you mentioned there are all kinds of svarim, the, the Marukziah and the Pachad Yitzchak and Rabbi Yerucham, who do actually mention, the, mention Yeshu's names. He says, yeah, that, the, that those, were, those were, first of all, those were printed. Those weren't, they, they weren't verbally uttering those names, and he believes that printing the name is not as bad, writing or printing the name is not as bad as verbally uttering it. And also that was because L'Islamate, they had to clearly and precisely express the halacha they were saying. They weren't just making casual conversation. They were, they, were, they, were, they were discussing Torah. They had to clearly express what they meant, so they used the name. If the name was the most effective way of expressing it, they did so. But, so he mixes together the heter of Ksav and the heter of Lislamid. But he says 
that was being done for a specific purpose, and it was and it was b'ksav for a Torah purpose. That has no bearing on the question of whether you're allowed to utter his name. Fine. Then in Osei, he returns to the question of the one, the, the final letter he has is Rav Deutsch had mentioned that the name Yishmael, the, the name Muhammad, he says, does have theological meaning, and we never heard that anybody was uh, re- anybody was reluctant to utter the name Muhammad. That any Jew was reluctant to utter the name Muhammad. Says Rav Hildesheimer, most of our acronym, Ruba de Ruba, are from the Christian lands, are from the, the European countries, and you know, they're not familiar with Arab language. Ula, he says, and the Svardik Svarim, the, the ones that come from the lands of the... the we certainly have plenty of acronym from the Arabs. You learn Chosh and Mishpat the, from the Arab countries. You learn Chosh and Mishpat the, for centuries. The, 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 the Gedolei Aposkim of Chosh and Mishpat were, were largely Svardim. The, beginning with the Beis Yosef, the Afkas Rochel, the, the Marashdam, the Marashach, the Mishnah Lamelech, the Machne Ephraim, the Birke Yosef, the... You know, one after another, the Mabit, the, the Radvaz, the, the Alshech, they, they were all from, from Arabic-speaking countries. It's not like we have any shortage of Svarim from Muslim countries. But he says, in Achinami, Hildesheimer says, maybe in countries where they knew Arabic and they knew what Muhammad meant, maybe they did avoid mentioning the name Muhammad. Uh, the name Muhammad. Furthermore, he says, Islam is completely different from Christianity, he says. He says, the Muslims believe he's a prophet. They call him the prophet, but he's not God. Muslims are monotheists. Muslims don't, don't uh, ascribe divinity to Muhammad, he says. So even if the name means, means something special, but he's only a Navi, he's not God. The Christians are the ones, there are all kinds of different Christians with uh, Unitarians and this and that, but Christians, by and large, worship Jesus. They, they consider him to be, uh, to be God, part of God, something to do with God. That's much worse. So even if you're right that people mention Muhammad, there's no way to jump from that to a heter to mention the names of Yeshua. Then Rav Hildesheimer mentions Iran. The, the Iran, this is, a, this is an extensive body of literature. We're not really going to get into it in any depth tonight. But there are those who argue that Christianity is not really Avodazara. He says that, that, that that's why various of the prohibitions against Avodazara, various Rishonim and Akronim argued, don't really apply to Christians because they aren't, Christianity is not really idolatry. Says Rav Hildesheimer, I have a few points to make, but my main point is it doesn't really matter. He says, even if you're right that from a strict theological perspective, Christianity does not qualify as a Vodazar. Let's say you're right, he says. But lenucha lahakish as What is what is clear, what is indisputable, he says, is bechal tfutis Yisrael throughout the Jewish diaspora that Doverzeh, not mentioning Yeshu's names, even if we'll say, like you said, it's not Meikradin, it's only Midas Hasidus, even if we concede it's not strictly us because of the Ran for other reasons. However, he says. It, there's no question, there's no doubt that Bechal Makam, Hayireim, Nimnu, Lahalos, Shemzal, Svasim. God fearing Jews do not say his name. That, that's a fact, he says. That is a universal fact that those who are pious and God fearing do not mention his name. See, even if it's not Meikra Din, he says, this Midas Hasidus is not worse than something which is totally mutter. If people have a minog to be machmer on something, you can't, uh, you can't dismiss that minog, he says. Furthermore, he said, the application of the Ran is not so clear-cut either. He says, even though, yes, it's true, the Ran said that some of the prohibitions of Chazal that, that, that they said about Avadazara don't really apply to Christi- Christianity, he says, it was an issue of Parnassah. Chazal said, you know, I'll do business with a non-Jew because if he has to swear an oath uh, about, a, about a business matter, he might swear in the name of his God. So the Ran said, okay, Christians are not really, uh, it's only Shituf, it's only that they believe in God as well, it's, it's not outright Avadazara, so it's not so bad. 
The Ran was being makele, he says, for Parnassah. If a Jew couldn't do business with a non-Jew, if he was required to abstain from any type of joint venture with a non-Jew, it would be very difficult for his business, even though business is not a reason to do Isurim, he said, but we know that Chazal were lenient on many aspects where it would hurt someone's Parnassah. Chazal did find various kulos, like the prohibition against doing business before holidays, that the Rishonim said were less strict, lending money beribis to, to non-Jews. The Gemara says you shouldn't do it, we do do it, because we say... Our business depends on it. Jews were bankers. Jews were moneylenders. If they, they, there were very few professions they could participate in, had this been denied to them, they would have been. This would have cut off uh, one of the few, one of the few useful sources of revenue they had. So, post were lenient. They found kulos. They relied on different svaris in cases where parnasa was at stake. And again, sometimes something is just usher. There's no hatter at all. But there, when there is some basis for leniency and parnasa is at stake, we can, we, we can be so much uncertain. Uh, certain opinions. However, he says, nobody's parnasa, typically nobody's parnasa is at stake by, 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 by their avoidance of mentioning Yeshu's name. And therefore, he says, even if you can find some kulos in the poskim, there's no reason to be samech on them, because there's no pressing need to say his name. Furthermore, he says, in a school, a place of chinuch, he says, that certainly his name should be avoided. We're concerned that, that children will, that you'll normalize Christianity for them, that they'll be drawn after it, he says. We should certainly defer to the feeling, what he calls the regesh of maminim bre maminim. Very interesting argument. He, he's kind of conceding here that the halacha case is not, is not so solid, but we should defer to the feeling of Kali Israel, Catholic Israel, to make uh, an unfortunate, uh, unfortunate uh, reference here. We should defer to the feeling of maminim bnei maminim that, uh, that, that have revulsion at the name Yeshu, at, at, at his actual names. And even if it's not strictly required by halacha, he says that if we would allow it, then all the kids would start using it, it would become normal, and all the kids would find, that all the students would find themselves forced to use his name if we allowed it. If we, if we don't take a hard line, no Yeshu policy in school, eventually the, the, the students will all find themselves feeling compelled to utter his name, he says. And therefore he says... That the, the, the Heterim are somewhat dubious, because even though you, the Rabbi Deitch brought various examples of Mishnayis and, and Postkim who used his name, Rav Hildesheimer says some of that was only in writing, and that was for Torah purposes, Islamade, where, uh, where we find Heterim, but to use his name in, in non Torah context verbally is problematic. And even if there are Heterim, he says, there's no question that it is a strong and powerful, important minhag not to do it. And there's no great need here to do it, so in general he would be strongly against, even if it's not strictly usher. However, in the last paragraph he says he returns to the question of Chil Hashem. You were worried, Chas v'shalom, Chalila, you were worried that by, by, uh, by, 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 by noticeably omitting his name in certain contexts, it could be a Chil Hashem. Ube'em, as he says, it's Koshi Gadol, the, 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 the question you're raising is a serious one. It, 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 it's a serious issue, he's not dismissing this. However, he says... I, I have confidence that Hashem will help you to find solutions to avoid that kind of chil Hashem. And regardless, he says, when a person has uh, two bad choices, when, 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 when a person has no good choice and both, both choices are bad, of course, he says, we have to choose the lesser of two evils. As per the, old, as per the German proverb, I'm not sure what German proverb he has in mind. In English, we say the lesser of two evils. In Hebrew, we often say, being bocher barab miyuto. But certainly we have to choose the lesser of two evils, he says. And he says, Beli Suffolk. Without a doubt, he says, the lesser of two evils, he says, is avoiding, uh, avoiding antagonizing the sensibilities, the, this universal sensibility of Israel, 
not to mention his name. It's better to do that than to avoid uh, creating awkwardness in the class where some, where some Gentile students might feel awkward. He said that he thinks it's better. I, I might have gone the other way. I might have thought Chil Hashem is the greatest of error in the Torah and that it, defers, it overrides everything else. He goes the other way. He says if there's really no choice, he thinks that deference to the, the holy sensibilities of Jews to avoid mentioning his name should be the, the paramount concern. And he says that even, even though you have another argument, yeah, you found him a chilta that said it's not strictly an iser, again, it doesn't matter. Even if it's not an iser, it is a strongly held religious sensibility which should be honored, which should be respected, he says. al therefore, my recommendation is, atzasi, my recommendation is, he tells us Rabbi Deitch, lo yiyem mechad shechadoshos, you should not try to innovate and reform and introduce uh, and normalize the, the uttering of the name of Yeshu. It's not just your neighborhood that we don't do this. It's universal, as I explained to you. This idea of not saying Yeshu's names is a universal concern. Therefore, he said, and you yourself agree that it's the, that, that it's the right thing to do. Therefore, Hildesheimer concludes that, that whether it's strictly us or Alpidin, we can debate. He's, he suggests that it might be, that even the, the heterim we find in the Mishnah are limited to writing and limited to when it's in the course of Limna Torah. It's not a general heter to say the names of Odazara. Again, we did find the Ureim. The Ureim did say pretty clearly that, that it is a general heter if it's a personal name and not a, name of, not a religious name. But nevertheless, Rav Hildesheimer says, we can go back and forth on the halachic technicalities, but the bottom line is, he says, it is clearly a, uh, a, an important feeling, an important religious sensibility, even if it's not strictly required by Din. This is always a fascinating question for Poskim. When we accept these sensibilities as, as being uh, worthy of deference, when we just say, if you can't find a proper source, then, 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 then you should educate yourself and do the right thing and not worry about uh, feelings. Rapildus Amrher very much defers to what he considers, what he admits is a feeling, a regish, he calls it, of Maminim Bnei Maminim, that there's a, there's a revulsion toward his name, toward using his name, and therefore, one wonders, I suppose, how much of that is a strictly religious revulsion and how much of that is just memory of the Crusades and all the terrible things Christians did to us over the centuries. But whatever it is, whatever it is, he says, this is a genuine and legitimate sensibility of the Jewish people. We should not mention his name. Therefore, it should be avoided to the extent possible. Careful planning and careful foresight should eliminate the need to find yourself in awkward situations. But if you do find yourself in an awkward situation where in a non-Torah context you feel that there's, even if you feel in a non-Torah context there's a pressing need to say his name, it is better to err on the side of creating some awkwardness rather than offend the, the holy sensibility of avoiding his name. Again, a little surprising to me that if it is a chil Hashem, that's, uh, that, that's a remarkably bold thing to say, that because of a religious sensibility you should risk chil Hashem. I would have generally assumed that when, when, if you're weighing chil Hashem against a kind of informal religious sensibility that doesn't have a clear grounding in halacha, you should uh, err on the side of not making a chil Hashem. Rafael de Saint-Rémy felt it's not really a chil Hashem, it's just uh, the, the children will feel a little bit awkward in class if you skip his name, and they'll understand, you're Jews, you, you don't want to say his name. All right, but that's Rafael de Saint-Rémy's conclusion, that, that, that you should not say his name, you should strongly, strongly try very hard not to say his name, you should... Hopefully, careful planning and uh, foresight will avoid the need, any need to say it. And even if you do have a need, it, it's better to just suffer some awkwardness rather than offend the sensibility and actually utter his, actually utter his name.